Good morning. Saturday, November 28th, year of our Lord, 2020. Sooner than I expected, but of course, last night, big news. It never fails. As soon as I publish an episode, there's there's always breaking news, and it's typically favorable lately, right? So it's great, at least. Um, you know, I'm irritated by the fact that I couldn't update you last night. I didn't wait long enough. It was already pretty late. But this was a fairly late-in-the-day evening ruling, and this lawsuit's different, and this gets confusing because there's multiple going on, even in one state. So we're going to talk about Pennsylvania. That's where this came from, and it is definitely breaking news. Uh, Judge Patricia A. McCullough filed a memorandum of opinion on Friday stating that the Pennsylvania Preliminary Election Certification Injunction was properly issued and should be upheld. So this is actually a lawsuit brought by House of Representatives, um, Representative from Pennsylvania, Mark Kelly, and candidate Sean Parnell, who's awesome. I encourage you, if you don't know about Sean Parnell, do some research. I'm convinced he won. And he took on Connor Lamb, who was supposedly this moderate Democrat representing blue-collar Pennsylvanians, and he turned out to be a Nancy Pelosi shill. Lamb had all the things on paper, perfect for a Democrat, too, if they're selling him as a moderate ex-military, pretty even-keeled guy, did not strike you as an AOC type, and he's not. He's not that much of a lunatic, right? He's not that disturbed, right? But he's just a go-along, do-what-the-party-says, and Pelosi has a lot of power. I mean, it's amazing that she, I mean, I wasn't surprised, people I think were, that she was elected Speaker of the House again, but she she carries a big stick in DC. She's good at rallying votes and consolidating power. Connor Lamb fell into it, did her bidding, and the people of Pennsylvania didn't elect him for that. And so not in his district. So uh, Sean Parnell took him on, a, a veteran, just a great guy to counter the failures of Connor Lamb. And of course, per the vote as it stands, Connor Lamb beat Parnell. And so Parnell's looking at this. He, he gets together with Mark Kelly, and they bring a lawsuit challenging the constitutionality of the mail-in voting system in Pennsylvania. So this is separate from what Giuliani is doing in Pennsylvania, looking at hundreds of thousands of ballots and invalidating them based on illegality or fraud. This is an entirely separate lawsuit, and it's the beauty of how our legal system works. You don't have to thread the needle one time in one case to get justice right? Especially when you're talking about civil actions and you're talking about something like an election. There are multiple avenues you can exhaust on your way to the Supreme Court. <clears throat> and I think that's what they did here. But I, I think maybe they could be pleasantly surprised, even though based on what McCullough says and the original injunction to not certify, it's a locked and loaded win. I mean, this is really stunning. It's big news. Her opinion is pretty incredible. And what she writes is um, referencing the constitutional provision in Pennsylvania, so their own constitution, details, going back many years, how their elections are supposed to proceed, right? And if there's any changes, they can't simply run the change through their legislature or through Secretary of State or through the governor and make a change. And so she writes... Um, Constitutional Article 7, Section 14, as the plain language of the constitutional provision, is at odds with the Mail-In Provisions Act 
77. So Acts 77 is from 2019. And it's incredibly, I'd say it's ironic and, and it's going to blow your mind as I walk you through this. Act 77 was passed by the Pennsylvania State Legislature. The same guys who are passing a resolution to take control of the electors because their election is fraudulent and was um, wrought with impropriety. So these are the guys, the Republicans, the legislature are likely going to pass a resolution taking back power to appoint electors. They're the same people that passed this Act 77, which to summarize is a tweaking of the standing law of absentee ballots in Pennsylvania. Well, per their constitution, you, you have a couple ways to change that type of law, which was Article 7, right? So they changed it with Act 77, but it was unconstitutional. And that's what Justice uh, Judge McCullough is certifying in her... Um, her opinion, upholding the blocking of certification. Mark Kelly and Sean Parnell, I believe, have filed a case that will, at a minimum, shut down certification in Pennsylvania and no electors will go to anybody, which is a win. It's not as big of a win, a big a win as if they not only shut down certification and then were able to assign electors for Donald Trump. And don't sleep on, you know, um, the Senate, uh, Senate, um, leader in the Pennsylvania State Senate, uh, Mastriano, who we've talked about a lot, who's a heroic figure, he is going to have that power if everything goes the way it looks through his resolution. So going back to Article 77, this was the challenge Parnell and Kelly put together. They went after Article 77, and it's incredibly black and white. They could; It was an unconstitutional act to change their mail-in ballot uh, structure the way they did. And offer universal mail-in like they did in Pennsylvania. And then, of course, it became controversial when the Secretary of State took it the next step a couple days before the election and allowed for an extension three days after Election Day, after 8 p.m. on November 3rd, where she's getting shelled on that, too. So that's separate. And that's what Giuliani's going after in other lawsuits. So they're taking, they're, they're just, they're, they're ripe for this. They're incredibly vulnerable because of a number of swift, poorly planned actions that didn't wash with their state constitution. What you're seeing here is a structure that's being built that will be easy for the U.S. Supreme Court to probably unanimously uphold the blocking of the Pennsylvania certification because somehow it's going to get there. The Democrats aren't going to sit on the next court ruling in Pennsylvania that says, yep, you can't certify while the Republicans are passing a resolution saying, hey, we have the power to appoint the electors, not the Secretary of State, which by the way, the state legislature in Pennsylvania gave that power to the Secretary of State in 1938. So they're essentially just taking it back to that resolution and it's in line with their constitution, just like the US federal constitution details, which is that the state legislatures choose the place, date, time, and manner of the elections. So these state constitutions uphold that. They have to. They can't be different, right? And so they're in line with that. And in the end, all that matters is the federal constitution, the U.S. Constitution. So however someone interprets the state constitution, if they try to, you know, a judge tries to trick it one way or another, it doesn't matter. This lawsuit with the big win last night with Justice McCullough is an incredible victory. It's really the first one we've been waiting for. I think it's a little bit better than, than when Michigan last week 
their appellate court came back and said, hey, there's so much evidence here, we want you to refile in a more relevant case. That was huge. No one's talking about it. But when you have a number of judges assert that your evidence is solid and using words like shocking, it's a strong indication. Well, this is an actual judgment in favor of the Republicans, Mark Kelly and Sean Parnell. And it's really something because she finishes by saying, since the presence, since this presents an issue of law, which has already been thoroughly briefed by the parties, the court can state that petitioners, meaning Parnell and Kelly, have a likelihood of success on the merits of its Pennsylvania constitutional claim. I mean, she didn't just say, hey, for now, you're, you're in the right with blocking certification. She's saying, hey, this is so clear that wherever this goes next, <laughs> there is a likelihood of success, I'm quoting again, on the merits of its Pennsylvania constitutional claim. That's massive. It's something to be encouraged um, by. I mean, this is something to be excited about. Let yourself be. Occasionally, we got to do this. We got to take a win. But we're not going to be like the left, like the Democrats, and spike the ball yet. There's still so much that needs to be done because that's one state. I think there's a high likelihood that Pennsylvania doesn't certify at all. They just can't. That they might just say, okay, it's unconstitutional. How do we certify one way or the other? Well, the Constitution gives you that power, um, Senator Mastriano in Pennsylvania. He gives the state legislature that power. But politically, if they don't continue the legal action on the fraud and impropriety and point out with clear evidence that hundreds of thousands of votes were fraudulently cast, not improper. The problem with going after these votes only on technicalities, but they were actual votes, politically, you're going to feed the disenfranchisement, the racism call, and you're going to have a massive blowback. Not that we shouldn't do it anyway, but it is a political consideration. Now, when it comes to fraud and stealing and changing votes, throwing away votes, filling out fake ballots, counterfeit ballots, you go down the list of all these accusations. If they can prove it, Dominion software changes. I mean, you you have then the right to say, okay, the other we know the guy that won, you know, air quotes, on November 3rd, 4th, or 5th, whenever they called it for Biden, we know that was not real. We know that was fraudulent. And based on what we know about the votes, we're going to represent the people. We know we can prove that Donald Trump won by a landslide in Pennsylvania when you count all the legal votes. Therefore, we're sending Republican electors who will therefore select Donald Trump and award Trump all of the electoral votes from Pennsylvania. That would be huge. And that can happen. I think it's more likely to happen if we see things develop in a similar fashion in other battleground states, and I think that's possible. So let's talk about Georgia. I'll start with a little bit of bad news. It's not legal, it's not really, I would say, relevant in the fight, but there was supposed to be a rally in Georgia today and next week. Today was gonna be essentially a march for Trump, stop the steel rally, and there was word that Trump was gonna go today, November 28th. Then it became, no, there's going to be another one next week on the 5th, and Trump will be there. But the rally today was still supposed to be held. And based on timing, which is getting tight, and we talked about this last night, Giuliani is going after these state legislatures simply because, well, one, he has a great avenue there, but also he is acknowledging that time is tight on the legal side. And getting this to the Supreme Court and getting a ruling 
before December 14th. Now, these rallies that have been talked about for a week now are about momentum and pressure, right? You can't have too much momentum. We have it now with the Pennsylvania hearing this week with State Senator Mastriano and his um, questions and the evidence presented by Giuliani. That was a big momentum boost. It was perfect timing for this rally today, and it's since been canceled. They're only doing the Saturday, December 5th rally in Georgia. And there's an interpretation by some people I respect who believe that it's not only failing to capitalize on the Pennsylvania momentum, and of course, look what we had last night. Imagine if you had a rally today in Georgia and Trump could get up there and talk about the legal victory in the Pennsylvania court with Justice McCullough. More momentum, more energy, and it puts pressure. I talked about pressure on local leaders, right? The legislature, the people who are elected by Georgians, who are hearing from Georgians right now about this steal. Trump going there today puts a lot of pressure on these guys because guess who does not have a hearing scheduled? Georgia. <clears throat> they have it scheduled in Arizona. They have it scheduled in Michigan. They now have it scheduled in Nevada. It's going to be just like Pennsylvania. It's not going to be in the state house. It's not going to be in a true official capacity, but people are going to be reciting and talking about their statements that they made in writing under oath, and it's going to be covered, and it's going to drive more energy. So there is some disappointment, and I, I echo it. I'm, I'm disappointed that there's not a rally today in Georgia. It, it wouldn't have hurt. Now, is it mission critical? No, but they have to get Kemp and Raffenberger, the state um, secretary of state, Kemp being the governor, they've got to get Kemp to mandate another recount, but with signature matching. That's, that's the play here. Because they could maybe, in Georgia, pull off what they are looking like they're going to pull off in Wisconsin, which is identifying and proving that thousands and thousands of ballots, who knows, maybe it's as much as Wisconsin in the 200,000 range, maybe it's more. A lot of people voted in Georgia. A lot of people voted illegally in Georgia, it looks like. But if they are able to succeed in the same way in having an audit like they have had in Wisconsin and identifying and challenging thousands of ballots, then we could be in a situation where, hey, we will just challenge the ballots. The fraud will be looked into but based on an already certified count, we have proven that 100,000, let's just say 100,000 ballots in Georgia are illegal. They're all mail-in. Trump would win. The margin is way too close. And so that's the play. And you got to put pressure on Kemp. You got to put pressure on these guys who want to get reelected. Frankly, too many of these people, that's all they care about is staying in power. Republicans, just like Democrats. And you're seeing that with Kemp and Raffenberger because if they have to admit or show or if it's proven that their election was a, a steaming pile of horse manure, like it seems to have been in Pennsylvania and will be proven in others, then Kemp and Raffenberger are going to look terrible, especially Raffenberger, because the elections are the main. I mean, it's like you had one job, Secretary of State. I love that. He's like, dude, you had one job. And so now you've got voting machine issues, ballot stuffing issues, all kinds of discrepancies with the mail-ins. And and the interesting part, and I think this is why Kemp's avoiding too, is how bad they're going to look. If he orders an audit, it's going to show that in Georgia, they threw away all of the envelopes that you need to use for a manual, you know, ballot by ballot signature match. So that's, that's a huge problem, 
right? Because you now have um, an audit that will have to be done without the envelope. So why do it? Well, there's a percentage game here. And I've heard a couple experts talk about how they can look at where there's a, there are, there's data kept on signatures that did or didn't match, right? And it's already known in Georgia that they counted those votes anyway. I mean, it's these crazy rates of like, I mean, three, four percent in elections passed of mail-in ballots thrown out, right? So you think of like 900,000 mail-in ballots in states like Georgia, massive amounts that go around. But instead of the regular predictable three percent of those mail-in ballots being thrown out, all of these states are well under one percent. I mean, some are in the 0.2, 0.3%. That's a huge difference when you're talking about nearly a million ballots in a state like Georgia. And you go from being around 3% being tossed, which is just a predictable, accepted number. It's the way it is. Everybody knows that going into the election, that you have a, a somewhat more likely chance of your ballot, of your vote being thrown out if you vote by mail. And if you do it early enough, there's a supposed to be, and this is some other legal challenges that counties and parts of Georgia and other states were not given the chance to cure like others did via mail-in ballot, meaning you go online and you see oh, my ballot didn't count, there's a problem, and they're supposed to send it back to you. And if there's time, it doesn't take a lot, apparently. If you do it right away, you can fix the discrepancy and have your vote counted. And if it's borderline, if it's barely something, these election officials on the counting day can actually say, okay, count it. Well, still, 3 4% are thrown out typically. This go-round magically, and this is repeated across the battleground states where they've looked. This includes Wisconsin and others their mail-in ballot rejection rate drops well below 1% all of a sudden in 2020. So it's clear that with the protection these guys had on, on election night and after where they had the, the observers 30 feet away, you trying to use binoculars, cordoned off. In Pennsylvania, in one of the counties, in Delaware County, one of the election observers, a Republican, described yesterday how she was basically fenced in. They had this little square space they had to stay. And it was... I mean, 50 yards from some areas they wanted to observe per their direction, per their job, and they weren't allowed. They were literally caged, right? I mean, it's, it's amazing how the, the Democrats are about cages. And so now you have a problem in that you can't go do what they would have liked to have done on election night, which is actually, hey, let me see those envelopes. Every, every few votes, they're going through mail-ins. You, you have a right to stop them and say, can I do a signature match there? And if after a while you're noticing a high rate of poor signatures, you can then go to a supervisor and say, "Hey, this batch is there's a problem here. I want to I want to I want to challenge this batch of votes." That didn't happen, and COVID gave them the perfect opportunity to cheat their asses off. And so now we know that under an audit, they can look at the percentage rejection and actually go through all of the things, all of the problems. They have access to the data of um, dead dead people balloting. I mean, they can get into all of these. Um, registration issues where people illegally voted. They can get into looking at the actual ballots and noticing, which will probably has been the case everywhere. You have mail-in ballots with no folds and no handling uh, apparent. I mean, it's a joke. So long story short, Kemp has to order a um, an audit, just like the, the Republicans paid for in two counties in Wisconsin. Now, I think I think Arizona is going to go through an audit, I think, based on what's going to happen Monday. We're going to have some good news there. 
the governor's a Republican. He's already said he won't certify until all the legal cases are finished. Well, they're just getting started in Arizona. Not sure what's going to happen in Michigan, but the evidence is so damning in Michigan that, and we have already a, um, a, an opinion from their, their federal appeals court that they want to see more evidence based on an earlier lawsuit. So fortunately, although we don't have the same um, a Republican governor in Michigan, we, you know, you have the Wicked Witch of the East or the Midwest there, good Lord, um, you know, it, it isn't going to be a problem because they have a strong legal case. And again, maybe they can do what they did in Wisconsin, but there's just no time at this point to really win over batches of votes, right? If they started an audit now in Michigan, it will be pretty close. And then all of a sudden, what happens? I mean, are they going to be able to throw out votes and recertify for Trump? I don't know. I think they need to go down um, the same way they did with Pennsylvania and get these state legislatures to bone up after they after the hearings, right? And this gives them some cover when you have people testifying to massive fraud and impropriety. Now it's out there. It'll give them cover, like the testimony gave the Pennsylvania State Senator Mastriano and his colleagues cover to do what they're doing with this resolution. I mean, this resolution can be reproduced in multiple states. They can all do the same thing. They can do, it won't be identical, but they can assert their power per the federal constitution and say, hey, we, we are gonna take the right to certify or not certify. And I'm telling you, this is what's called a contingent election. I'll detail it again. Three states, so let's just say Pennsylvania, Michigan, Arizona, pass resolutions, pass legislative measures in their state houses, in their state senates to assert their constitutional right, the state legislature's constitutional right to appoint electors. Boom. That's step one. Now they can decide what the heck to do. They can appoint the electors as per the popular vote of their state, right, as it stands now by the media, as it's called. They can do that. They can give them to Trump or they can they can rule based on evidence that they can't certify that we just can't do it this election was i mean imagine the the face melting that's going to start when one of these states does this let alone three because they'll know what happens by then the press is going to have broken the news to them like children and having to sit them down and tell them you know mommy and daddy are getting divorced this time it'll be a lot worse for these people because they haven't paid attention. They have they don't care. And Fareed Zakaria, in his faux wisdom, last night on CNN, gave a a melancholy, somewhat depressed and almost tearful breakdown of how Trump can win a contingent election, meaning these three states you pick them don't certify. Biden, Biden doesn't get those electoral votes, neither does Trump. If three do it, nobody has 270. At that point, how many electoral votes you have doesn't matter. One guy could have 265, you could have zero. There is no president. You have to hit 270. With that scenario, it goes to essentially the House of Representatives and each state picks a delegate and one delegate per state right now 26 would be selected for Trump. It's the way it is. He wins. That is almost, it's almost an unobstructed path to the presidency for Donald Trump. And, and as I see it fold or unfold before our eyes, I'm thinking it was their original plan. Now, I, I, I said last night, I think there's a couple plans, right? You have 
the fraud and impropriety. You know, you have the the hardcore evidence of the steal, but you also have this constitutional path that Rudy has led. And he's admitted, I don't say admitted, but he shared last night that he thinks that's the way to do it based on time. You know, even though these courts are filing emergency judgments and things are moving fairly quick, it's still, I mean, you, you can't have the legal process go too fast. You don't know who that's going to favor and you might win this time because of speed next time you won't and it's just it's designed to be somewhat slow and measured and it's the way it should be the unfortunate part is it seems that this december 14th deadline for the electors to be chosen is pretty hardcore it's pretty locked in now there's a date i believe it's january 6th that the house of representatives the u.s congress that's their final day to assert essentially confirm the electors as chosen on December 14th by the states. Republicans one by one in the House of Representatives can challenge the sort of uh, the electoral college. They can do that. So if, you know, let's say, let's say December 14th comes and no matter what happens, Biden gets 270, right? 270 plus, whatever number that is, are sent to um sent to the electoral college it's done right he's president for real more for real then it's not the end he's not inaugurated yet so don't panic as we get closer to that date if things slow down to a point where it becomes obvious we're not going to have a resolution by december 14th it's not the end of the world it's something i looked into this morning and heard on a couple sources um that you know to include steve bannon's war room but it it's an uglier fight and it becomes less likely that anyone wants to make changes once the electoral votes are officially appointed. So we we really need this contingent election or something that gives Trump 270. That's one of the other. It's either neither gets 270 or Trump gets it. Um, it's going to take bold, bold moves by these state legislatures to appoint electors different than the vote is showing right now in their states. They're going to need hardcore evidence or hardcore evidence that shows batches, thousands and thousands of ballots are null and void based on illegality. That's what I'm hoping for in Wisconsin. And that case is pending. It's been, it's been accepted. It's going to go to court and be um, argued in Wisconsin. And it's related to almost 200,000 votes, 100,000 of which are these absentee ballots that have no request matching. And you have to request an absentee ballot in Wisconsin. It's very, there is no universal mail-in. So absentee ballots have always been a requested form of voting. And so you have um, in, in Wisconsin, 60,000 in Milwaukee County, 40,000 in Dane County without a request. So their actual absentee ballots cast, votes cast, heavily favoring Joe Biden, and there's no request. Those aren't legal. I mean, there's going to be some burden of proof on somebody on the left on the Democratic legal team to show that these are legal votes. You have to be able to do that. And so Wisconsin's, I think, going to have a number of votes, a significant amount. They don't need too many. I think uh, Biden won by 40,000. It's irrelevant compared to what they've challenged. I mean, they're not going to just get 5,000 of those 60,000 in Milwaukee thrown out. It's either 60,000 or none. And again, there are laws for a reason. You also have this um, indefinite confined. I think I talked about it last night. It was in my notes. I might not have. It's very important in Wisconsin. They do have a an ex, uh, an exception 
for voters who can't leave their home, right? They have an issue. Well, typically it's hundreds who qualify for that and, and even request it in an election year. This time it was over 100,000. It was like two, I mean, it was crazy amount. And hundreds of thousands requesting this indefinite confinement exception. And it's a crazy anomaly because um, the Voter Integrity Project led by, uh, um, I forgot the guy's name. I talked about him last night. It doesn't matter. That group is out there. Um, oh, Brainerd. So this guy Brainerd, who used to be on Trump's team as a data analyst, he's been calling. He's got this team that's been calling all of these states and verifying registration and finding hundreds and hundreds of discrepancies in their samples. So it doesn't sound like a lot, but they can't call everybody that shows up an anomaly in their spreadsheet. They bought a bunch of data. We're talking millions of votes. So they're picking out, he's got a program that he runs to pick out anomalies. And so they're calling people. And one of the things they focused on in Wisconsin was this indefinite confinement issue. And he's finding that in his samples, 70, 80%, I mean, it's like 80 people here out of 188 here don't qualify for that exception, for that exemption to actually have to vote in person or use an absentee um, you know, through a request. It's, it's essentially um, a way to vote without having to use the same verification. It's an easier path. That's why it's difficult to win that exemption. Well, hundreds of thousands did it that way and those votes were counted they're going to be challenged. I don't love that as a win because it's a technicality, right? And so you're gonna ask a judge to say, hey, we're throwing out thousands and thousands of these votes because they didn't follow the indefinite confinement process properly. But if they're actually someone's vote, then it's one of those things where it's like, hey, you guys shouldn't have accepted these and next time, and they're gonna give them guidance. So I wouldn't, you know, Brainerd and these Bannon types, they get so excited. You have to really filter I'll warn you when you watch them, you have to do your best to filter when they talk about definite things, you know, they talk about definites because they get a little over the skis and they'll say, you know, one guy will say, well, these are illegal. Here's why. And you're like, yeah, those are illegal. And then Bannon's like, oh yeah, those are legal. Those will get thrown out. Like, mm. no, you're going to get a favorable judgment probably if you prove that they're illegal. But on a technicality, if a judge says, okay, those are votes, those people did vote for whomever they voted for, am I gonna throw them out because the state failed to enforce their rules? I don't see it happening. They're, they're not gonna be as compelled to do it because this isn't a constitutional issue. The, the judges are, if they're gonna take votes away from people, they have to have some law on the books. They have to have the constitution backing them. And you're talking election rules here. And I don't think these judges are gonna go to sleep at night throwing out a couple hundred thousand votes because certain election rules weren't followed. These aren't people that filled out multiple ballots. These are people that filled out one ballot and just got an exemption they shouldn't have, right? And it made a pro it created a problem with verification. I don't know, but it's interesting. It's another way they do things and who knows who filled out those absentee ballots. We, we have an idea, probably a lot of people filling them out for people. Um, we know there are nursing homes where this happened. Um, we know there are assisted living homes where this has happened. Again, the sad part is those numbers don't wash when you're trying to overturn the election. And that's too bad that they are going to be looked at, but they probably will still count. So these they've got to win on the large systematic fraud and on the constitutional issues in these states. And I think they can. And I love that in parallel, they're putting pressure on these state legislatures who are protected 
and empowered by the U.S. Constitution to select the electors, especially in a situation like this. My prediction, though, is with the evidence, with this strategy, they're more likely to not send electors. Now, again, based on heavy evidence, who knows? Um, they, they could say that, hey, these votes, we know without, without a doubt, these votes should have been for Trump, and therefore we will represent the will of the people and appoint Republican electors who will then uh, sign the electoral votes for that state, Michigan, Arizona, whatever, to Donald Trump. That would be fantastic, but man, that would be quite a statement. Um, but these rulings, you know, you get Pennsylvania like we did last night. We need similar, we need something in Georgia the same way. They've got too much evidence in Georgia to continue to go to courts and have these local losses handed down. You can't have it. So right now, Lynn Wood is in front of the 11th Appeals Court. He had an emergency approval. He's going to be trying that next week. He's got to win that. He's got to get at least a, a judge, if there's three, one of them to back him. Another 3-0 loss. It's not, again, it's not the end of the game at all, but it won't, there's no change. It's the same old, same old. It feeds the left narrative that there is the, it's a baseless uh, accusation, which is a joke, but they'll keep saying it based on these rulings. No matter what the ruling is, even if it's like a technicality issue and says, oh, it needs to go to a higher court, whatever, it's a loss. They're going to they're gonna paint it that way. So whether it's Sidney Powell, whether it's Lynn Wood, Something's got to go our way in Georgia at some point, especially because there is no hearing scheduled. They don't have a hearing like they do in Michigan, Arizona, and Nevada scheduled with the Republicans, and they could do that. They could do the same thing. Um, I would love to see Georgia go the legal way. It would be great if there's a legal win calling into question hundreds of thousands of fraudulent ballots. That's what we want to see next week. Sidney Powell has accomplished nothing if she doesn't win a case. I mean, win it in one way, shape, or form. So she's got tremendous evidence. I've seen some of it. It looks strong. But she's taken a beating in the press. And until a judge acknowledges the seriousness of her evidence, as it relates not only to ballot stuffing, which she has in both the Georgia and Michigan lawsuits, but really the Dominion software and the system, um, Smartmatic software, because based on what one of the witnesses Detail. And I didn't talk about the army officer. Um, we're not talking about Mastriano, who's a former army officer. We're talking about one of the witnesses. So there's a naval guy talking about the USB drives and the fraud he witnessed. There was an army officer who went through what he does now. And this guy is essentially, he's a numbers guy. He's not a statistician. He actually clarified that. But he is excellent. He's, a, he's more a forensic analyst. And he talked about how fraudulent. I think this guy put it over the top for Pennsylvania, too, as far as evidence and empowering uh, Mastriano to do what he's doing with this resolution. But this officer, he was the one who was testifying during the gotcha moment when he talked about 600,000 votes coming in in a record amount of time and 570,000 going for Biden and everybody gasped. Well, a few minutes after that testimony, he talked about individualized fraud and just how all the numbers don't add up and how the, you know, the impossibility of some of these things coming in and he talked about dominion he talked about what he could do what someone could do forensically if they had their hands on these machines i've talked about this before i don't care what they did to delete it's like any computer just simply throw it in the trash and emptying the trash on your on your desktop doesn't cut it these guys laugh at that they think it's the funniest thing when you believe you've erased something permanently on your computer you need something like bleach bit which hillary's people used on her servers 
or you need to take a hammer to it and damage it to the point where it cannot be reconciled. When I say it, I mean the hard drive. So this guy laid it out. And that's, a, that's something I want to see happen, whether it's on the criminal or civil side. And Sidney Powell in Michigan and Georgia is asking the court to direct the seizure of these machines. It hasn't happened yet. And time is not friendly when people are covering their ass, right? We're giving them more time to figure out that, hey, we might need to do something to these machines so that nothing can be found. It would be incredible to try to pull it off now. Something tells me that there are enough people with their eyes on where these systems are and the people that it would be hard to pull that off without a leak, but I don't put anything past them. Look what they almost pulled off with the most contested, most watched election, I think, in the history of the world that went, well, went down here in 2020. They almost pulled it off. They almost cheated in such an astronomical way as to select the president of the United States and completely ignore the voter. It is the crime, not only of the century, but in the history of our country, and it's probably one of the most egregious and horrifying crimes on a large number of people on an entire nation, I believe, ever, to our knowledge, pulled off in the history of the world. This, this is disgusting, and it's even more sickening that millions and millions of Americans will stand by it. You're, as this evidence, the one thing we know is the evidence is keep coming out, we are going to be more empowered when we say Biden cheated, right? It's hashtagging big time. Uh, Biden cheated on Twitter, and it's not being blocked by Twitter. We've finally got them a little bit uh, in the corner, so they're not stopping the hashtag, and they'll do that all the time. When a hashtag that is bad for Democrats, that is bad for the big tech narrative, starts trending and becomes viral, they'll block it. It won't link to anything. So far, it is trending big time. We know it. We're seeing everything every day where things are more and more clear. Wait till these hearings hit next week. You've got three of them. I mean, Arizona, Michigan, Nevada, in that order, you're going to hear testimony that is going to stand the hairs on your neck, right? It's going to be chilling and it's going to make you mad. And well, you're not the only one. Every day, another um, average American, someone who might you know, identify as a moderate, is hearing something and thinking, well, there might be something here. Like, yeah, maybe next time you should participate in an election, you know, longer than just a week before you actually vote. At least, and there's nothing, we'll have a segment on the undecided voter. I think 80% of them are completely full of it and they just want attention. And so, but you've got people out there that might look at a tweet once a day and they get their news from Fox or CNN. I mean, they think they're, you know, and they go, I'm very informed, I keep up. No, you, you're just great at watching something with advertising. You probably know a lot about my pillow. Congratulations, right? You're helping them sell soda because that's really all cable news is now, is trying to suck you in, trying to brainwash you a bit, make you buy into a narrative. The whole nonsense on Fox, we report, you decide. Yeah, you didn't have anybody at the Pennsylvania hearings. So what do you mean by me deciding on what you report? I mean, they're schmucks. And so you, you know, people that tune in and, and have Fox running and say, oh, I'm, I watched the news today. You didn't watch anything, right? You watched commercials. You watched Mike Lindell sell you pillows and sheets. That's what you watched. Congratulations. By the way, I own some. They're fantastic. Great product. The Giza, Giza Dream Sheets are, I mean, second to none. I'm a big fan. I ordered two sets myself. It's the first time in my life that I've ever ordered any kind of bedding, and it was a pretty exciting experience. So I'm not bashing on my pillow. Not The pillows aren't for me, but, you know, you, it depends on the fill. You can actually get a medium fill, so they're not, like, 
you know, giant balls of cotton and you can wash them in the machine. You can just like he says, like your own pair of jeans. So great product. Don't want to bash it, but it is advertised quite a bit. I mean, you've probably by now, it is almost 9 a.m. Pacific. You've probably seen three My Pillow commercials online. If you're you're watching Newsmax, OANN, anything on YouTube, you know what Mike Lindell's promo code is. And you know, if you're gonna order sheets, go for it. Order pillows, go for it. I think he's got towels now too, but that's all it is, right? Cable news is advertising. They're just what network news is. We're moving away from that, right? We are in a not, we're out of the mass media world. It's fantastic. We have options, right? You're listening to this. It's great. You should be watching Newsmax, OANN, listening to Steve Bannon on War Room. He's every day. It's amazing. Again, he can get cheerleader, but he's an insider. He knows how this works. He knows the conspiracy. He knows the system. And that's what we want to bring down. The beauty of what's happening is we are exposing not just this election fraud, but the corruption of a system of this uniparty that wants to consolidate and hold on to power. And they don't care how they do it. They don't care about your vote. They think we're peons. They think we're stupid. And cable news is a great way to keep us on the teat, right? Keep us fed whatever they want us to be fed. Those talking heads are as bad as the nightly news anchors were in the 90s, right? They are just editorializing and they're selecting what is news before we decide or have an opportunity to decide what is newsworthy. And we're taking it down. So find information anywhere you can. Always have a filter. Do that with me. I'm trying to filter myself and make sure that I don't get over my skis and get you too excited. But every time I publish one of these podcasts, we've taken a step in the right direction. And they're no longer baby steps. Pennsylvania's ruling last night was a big step, a full stride towards where we need this to go. And that is the rightful choice of the American voter. And that was for Donald Trump. We know it based on the congressional elections. Yesterday, another Southern California congressional seat was called for a Republican. We flipped 20, I mean, every, what was it? Every toss up, there was 24, has all gone Republican. Toss up? I mean, if it's a toss up, you toss a coin 24 times, how often do you get heads? Do you get it 24 times? Because if these were toss ups, we defied the universe, right? I mean, at least a couple times you're going to hit tails. 24 consecutive toss ups, again, they were just trying to shape the vote. They were suppressing us. They didn't want you turning out because why would you turn out? The Democrats are going to keep the House. That's what Fox News told us five minutes into releasing results early in the evening on November 3rd. Fox News predicts the Democrats are going to keep the House. Just like they were going to win Arizona, right? Just like Biden was going to blow it away and you called it for him two minutes after Arizona closed. Don't ever forgive them for that. They're not even asking for your forgiveness. They are not embarrassed by how poorly they carried themselves on election night and they're paying for it. Keep making them pay for it. Keep tuning in when you can. I really appreciate the support. If you have anything to add, my email is eipnet1776 at gmail.com. This is Behind Enemy Lines, Saturday, November 28th. I'll be back maybe even today. I'm watching the news. Maybe it slows down because it's a Saturday. Maybe it doesn't, but I'll certainly be back tomorrow, if not earlier um, earlier today. So again, God bless. Thank you so much for your support, and we'll talk to you soon.